Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Dive Yes sir, welcome back to another episode of Trap or Dive Podcast Provided to you by 214 Media and Hogs Haven, SB Nation. I am your host, Molly Mole, Hand Dog Mole, Coach Mole, all that good stuff, man. Uh, and yeah, AJ's with me right now. AJ, how you feeling, big dog? If he's here, we're gonna give him some time <laughs> till he get his mic together. Uh, uh Dre's checking in now as well. Dre, what's going on with you, player? How you feeling? What's good, man? Happy the draft is over. You know what I'm saying? Got our new additions. Ready for the, you know, the next step. The, yeah, nah, the, the, no bull. The next step. Um, It's going to be a, a couple of next steps that, that we got to talk about on this show today. Uh, that, That's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Where was you for the for the draft? You was just cooling in the crib? Yeah, bro. I just stayed in the house, man. I, was, I had a couple of invites to go out, but I was like, you know what? Yeah, stay up in because I was thinking about what y'all was talking about with the pick probably not gonna be to about 10, 10 30. I said, I ain't going out the night mm-hmm. waiting all night for a pick, man. I'm just gonna chill up in the house. And I think we got 10 on the dot. I if I remember right, yeah, I, I think it was around that time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't too bad, man. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so shout out. Let me go first off, administrative items. If you are watching, if you are listening, whichever way you are doing it, make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the follow button, man. We definitely appreciate it. Shout out to my boy Will, man. Will uh is the OG. Um on Twitter, he hit me up earlier today and he was right. Like he he had asked me, like, yo, because I was on vacation this weekend. My my boy Nick from uh all 32 side had a birthday, so uh I can't control when his birthday is. Uh, but he wanted to go, he wanted to go down to Atlanta. So uh, but but that ain't nothing. We had a good time, but there was no content for me this weekend. So for for Will, um, and others who checked in, Monty, I know I know Monty checked in at one point. Uh, matter of fact, oh here you go, right here. Uh, Monty checked in. Um, but yeah, no no content this weekend for for the most part, uh, out of the loop. But uh, as you all know, if you follow me on Twitter or social media all together, uh, just stay tuned, stay locked in. Make sure you follow all of us on our handles. Um, I think my handle is up here uh, at Let Maul Tell It. Um, and you'll be able to catch the content there. Uh, the clips will get posted a little bit quicker than the actual full film sessions on YouTube and on the Hogs Haven articles. Uh, so just stay locked in on the Twitter. You'll get your clips and figure out some things from there uh, and all that good stuff. So now that all that is out of the way, draft talk, man. Um, I, I think we're going to try and steer away from grades, but I do. I mean, if we want to do grades, cool. Everybody in the chat, if you want to do a grade too, make sure let us know what your grades are. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold anybody against doing the grade. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna refrain from giving a grade, but I do have feelings on on the draft altogether. So I guess we can start there. AJ, uh, AJ, Andre, if y'all want to get dr- grades, be my guest. I'm not gonna hold you against it. Uh, but if you have a grade or if you have an overall feeling for how you think the draft went, uh, let's go ahead and start from there. 
and then we'll get to the picks all together. I feel like AJ should go first here because he was he was hyping it up on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? He was. What, what was AJ talking about? Well, he was just talking about how he didn't think the team got any better. So I thought he wanted to explain uh, his stance on that. You know, after this draft. Okay. But um, no, I'll go first. Um, okay. It was actually for me. I, I liked the draft. It was a solid draft. At first, I'm not gonna lie. Like the second round pick of Quan Martin, I was like, huh? You know, thinking about it, like you know, we just drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round as cornerback which I did like that pick. Um, but I like Quan Martin as well, but I just was surprised to see them double dip at DB so early. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, it makes so much sense. I mean, he's a slot guy, a Bobby McCain replacement. I also think he's an upgrade to Bobby McCain. So you got those two guys, my turnover guys. That's what I'm saying. The defense is, you know, this is what I wanted to add. You know, I thought we would just add one of those guys, but I wanted someone that could flip the field. We talked about this on the last show. So, I mean, I was happy with those first two picks. And then we double dipped on the OL. I'm not going to lie, more. you know, I'm going to defer to you and the OL because I know you look at those guys. I understand that more when watching. But, I mean, I hope they at least one of those guys emerges as a starter. I mean, I love that you got those guys in. I've heard good things about them from a couple of people that's usually good about evaluating these guys. So, I mean, hopefully, like you said, one of those emerges as a starter. But you can't be mad because you had to go, you know, IOL. We needed IOL in this yeah. draft at some point. And so we got both of those. Then, of course, the K.J. Henry pick, man. I love that pick. That was um, – I mean, he played at Clemson. I mean, he was he's a, he's a really good player, edge player. I mean, we needed that position, and we didn't go too high on – I mean, early on edge, which I was a little worried about at first. I thought we were going to kind of, you know, panic and say, oh, we need this guy because of the chase news. But I love that you went there. I mean, they double-dipped there as well. I mean, we'll talk more about maybe what I don't like a little bit later, but – the running back uh, pick, I was a little bit, you know, not too high on. I mean, not because of the player, but I just thought he was too similar to what we had on the roster already. So, but other than that, I thought it was a solid draft. Yeah. Um, I thought it was solid, too. Like, I'm not overly uh, one way or the other, positive or negative. I thought it was solid. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, like, when I think about how Washington approached it, ultimately, like, when it was said and done, uh, it, they set out exactly what they was trying to do from the get go. Like it wasn't no charade. <laughs> they they didn't try to play games with us. Um, who knows who was on their board that they they really wanted and missed out on? Right? It could have been a receiver. It could have been a tight end. It could have been a running back. I saw a rumor unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. I've been out the loop this this entire weekend, ladies and gentlemen. So please cut me some slack and 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 Google it yourself <laughs> if if I'm dead if I'm dead ass wrong. But there was uh, some some rumor that I saw that uh, suggested that the Washington Commanders were interested in Jameer Gibbs. They really like Jameer Gibbs. Um, now, again, unconfirmed. I don't know how much weight it holds. I don't know anything. But to my point, we don't know who was on their board that they couldn't get. But overall, when you get the, the picks, when it's all said and done, you get your offensive linemen, your two interior guys. I would have really – I was really thinking with Osiris Torrance on the board in the second round that Washington probably could have went that way um and that's a guy who i you all know I, I talk about him a lot um i mentioned him often and and i thought that this was somewhere that would work like he he can do gap scheme and zone scheme um so whichever route that the enemy wants to go in terms of his offense osiris was right there so i'm i'm a little i'm a little interested but i also alternatively speaking when you come to know uh your second round pick uh where is he at I had it. I had everything pulled up. Um, hold on one second. Oh, I'm tripping. I'm looking at the wrong. Okay, so here we go. When you pull up your second round pick, 
and uh, Jartavis Martin, I, I think you kind of understand like how much that meant to them and how important the defense is just as much as the offense. Ultimately, you got your center, right? And you got another guy who can who who can maybe fill in the interior. Um, and, and who's to say the center may not even be starting uh, week one. Uh, but he is a guy that, that that's somebody that they're going to add up to the depth. But point is, when you go to that second round pick, ultimately, uh, with Osiris Torrance on the board and other uh, linemen that they were reportedly interested in, some were actually taken at that point. Um, Martin is a guy who, obviously, the, the easiest way to say it is a, a guy who, who's going to replace Bobby McCain. Um, he can move in the slot. Uh, he can play post if he needs to. He can play all three safety positions. I'm sure. I mean, excuse me, all two safety positions. And he can play the Buffalo nickel. So um, you kind of understand the, the pick with him. And, and ultimately, with your first two picks, when you think about um, – I think somebody made a great point online, and, and they had said, like, we talk about how much help that Sam Howell needs, right? Um, and we're going to get to the legitimate side of the offense soon. Uh, but when you think about the type of help that Sam Howell needs altogether, like uh, run support, playmakers, um, blocking <laughs> – uh, coaching he also needs a team that can help give him short fields and or even get s- consistent three and outs and, and ultimately when you think about Emmanuel Forbes at number one when you think about uh Jordavis Martin uh somebody who has the athleticism to cover a lot of ground and a lot of space on the defense like these are threats just as big as some getting him some actual getting him another another name or another skill position on the offense side of football so uh, it's good that they're bolstering up a defense that was solid last year. Um, but you're not an elite defense if you can't turn the ball over. And they weren't an elite defense last year. Uh, top 10 was re- was commendable. It was respectable. But it's crazy that you're a top 10 defense and can't force turnovers. So, um, and, and the other thing is you would have thought that you was getting that, though, the, the, the threat of, of turning the ball over from your, your pass rushers and Montez and Chase, and they're nowhere to be found in terms of creating turnovers. Like, they're nowhere to be found. So you got to find a way to bolster up your secondary that was hurting last year, and they were able to do that. And 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 for that, uh, I I think that they they hit the nail on the head in, in terms of their approach. I'm um, an offensive line, same thing. You need to help with the interior, and I commend them for that because uh, they they stuck with their approach uh, in, in terms of the prospects that they found. Uh, obviously, they got to hit the field. We'll see what they're talking about, but that's that's where I'm at right now. Solid draft as well, Dre. AJ, how you feeling, big dog? I'm good, man. Was having some uh, technical difficulties. But yeah, man. I mean, uh, in regards to the draft, um, like Dre hinted to, I don't feel like they got better. Uh, I, I feel like the the depth at cornerback was so lacking last year. Anyways, it's like you were going to come into this draft and probably take a, a corner at some point. Um, and we we seen how they maneuver with free agency. I think they kind of dictated how they were going to move in this draft. Um, I feel like none of the players that we really wanted, <laughs> uh, as far as like our particular group, got selected at all. Um, I'm not really concerned with Emmanuel Forbes' weight. He played in the SEC for a long time, um, but it's crazy for me. I think I finally got a better understanding of the type of players that. Ron Rivera and company want. But like I stated on Twitter, this is their last draft anyway, so there won't be another discussion about uh, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and Martin Herney ever drafting again in the NFL. 
not just with the commanders, but overall, like that's their last hoorah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, they they definitely went after four year players, like guys that either play four or five years in college. Um, that was typically the the structure of who they drafted. I don't really think they took anyone that didn't play four years. They didn't take any juniors. Um, yeah, that's I might be wrong, but from from what I remember, as far as Forbes, uh, Martin, Strongberg, Henry, uh, Rodriguez, and who was the other kid? The other that I, I missed somebody. I feel like, but. It didn't take anyone that was not a four-year plus uh, player in college. Um, I mean, I just feel like my main my main thing that I hated was Mark Mayhew saying, "I wish I was a bit more aggressive in trading." What what the fuck do you mean? Is there well, another is there another draft happening next week that we don't know about? Like, when when do you have another opportunity to get aggressive? Like, are are you serious? Because before the draft even started the second day, it was heavy rumors and it was reported by both networks of Washington to get up to the 32nd pick in the draft that they were trying to move up. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they probably want Brian Branch because Martin Martin is a great uh, a, a great value like at Walmart, you know, like the the off-brand Kellogg's <laughs> cornflakes like he's kind of a great value Brian Branch but Brian Branch was sitting there in the second round so it's like what what happened what caused you to not be more aggressive and of course their trade partner was the Buffalo Bills <laughs> or when they ended up trading during the draft it's just a uh, for me it's like you're seeing teams within your division get more aggressive and add playmakers into the mix and I just didn't really like the approach. Um, and I think even that particular day that they did the first round pick, they said they didn't have any trade partners um, to to move back on 16, which I felt like was going to happen because I don't see them being aggressive. And it really takes an aggressive approach to get some of those teams to think that you're going to do something else. And it seems as though the league knew that they were going to take Emmanuel Forbes at 16. So nobody was pressed to to try to trade with them. I think that's an interesting point. Um, like from the angle in which you the, the angle in which you speak, like they the league. I'm presuming. Let's have this conversation on the sense of like that's that's true because it it, it is interesting. If the league understands that you're taking a player, um, as you stated, like go on, hey, go ahead and pick your guy, bro. Like we ain't, we ain't sweating we ain't sweating all all trading with you, bro. So. Like do your thing, and and we ain't got to worry about talking with you. Like you ain't you ain't a threat to us. And for them to have the, again, presuming the conversation of, of, of this being factual, or uh, like for them to have the conversation after the draft <laughs> to say we couldn't move, like nobody wanted to call us. Like I, I feel like that's probably if it is, like that's probably a tale on on your evaluation as opposed to like other people knowing that you need a cornerback, but. Or you need an offensive lineman, but you're going to go with Emmanuel Forbes. Or you got a couple rats in your room that's talking too much. Because right after they picked, New England went and took Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez. New England should have been under the perception that, damn, Christian Gonzalez has dropped. 
Washington is going to pick him. Let's make a phone call to see if we can move up to get our guy because Emmanuel Forbes was not going to be their guy, right? He just the Patriots doesn't... traded down too, right? I think Patriots traded. I think yeah, they they traded down because in the beginning, I think they had the fifth, the fourteenth pick or something like that. Yeah, yeah, fifteenth or fourteenth. I can't remember exactly, but this was a draft where teams were moving like. Teams were trading all over the place. You feel me? So it's yeah, they like, traded. They traded back. Oh yeah, because yeah, Pittsburgh moved up. Pittsburgh moved up. They took. Yeah, so um, it's like no Broderick. team, no team had a thought that you were even going to move on to a different player. They knew that if you were sitting there at sixteen, you would take a Forbes, and they could have got more assets uh, from possibly New England or whoever. You feel me? But instead, that didn't take place, and. It, it was just weird the the pressures that happened, not just only the first day, but the second day, like or not. So even let's get into one okay. comment since we're let's get into one comment since we're here on the the pressures, and then we'll we'll get we'll get right into the picks. Um, how do we feel about Rivera? I didn't hear it. I just saw the quotes. I was I was catching up on on the on the way back home. Um, but Rivera said, uh when he's talking about value that a lot of people was calling him during the draft or texting him during the draft that, you know, they made really good picks. And, and after each pick, like, and, and then some occasions later in the, in, in the Saturday draft, uh, they were telling him he had great value on picks and stuff like that. Uh, but overall, like their perception or, or, or the message that they get out there, how do you feel about um, like their processing or, or how they take into account, people's opinions of of their picks i mean <laughs> i don't know are we little kids like are you expecting people to be like damn you did a bad job with that pick like <laughs> like what, what are you expecting like i, I don't know like oh man that's why no, i really get too frustrated with it because i know this is the last year as a fan dealing with this nonsense I think they overthink it. I do. I mean, you could tell it bothers them. I mean, even with Mayhew sharing that he wishes they were more aggressive, it feels like they're trying to get a pulse for, you know, what people are going to, you know, how people are receiving them. Like, they know people are coming at them with such disdain over some of their decisions. And, I mean, Ron and them, they they seem to go above and beyond to prove that, hey, we're doing this the right way. And I'm like, hey, you don't have to do that. Like, sometimes they are either either he tries to not give too much and then there's times where he's just too transparent and i'm like okay we see right through you so no it's it's overdone they're overthinking it i think um especially with the aggressive thing uh that's important because i mean we all know at this point like you are what you are after four years right like like we see it but for you to kind of state it, and, and maybe when he said it, he was just saying it in passion. Like, he wasn't really thinking too hard about it. But at the same time, like, just to have that general thought process of, like, I wish we were more aggressive kind of shows you that, like, that's kind of been your thing your entire time here. Um, You weren't good enough to get Amari. You weren't good enough to get Russell. Um, Who else? You weren't good. Uh, it was somebody. Who, who else am I thinking of? Another trait. Uh. Russell Wilson was this year. Yeah, was, um, oh, Stafford, Stafford, Stafford. Stafford. You weren't you weren't good enough to get Matt Stafford, uh, and you missed out on somebody else. I think in free agency, maybe can't remember. I'm slipping on the name, but your aggressive, like your aggressive nature, like I, I, put it this way. Here's the best thing I can say for for us, Dre. I 
am not the biggest. I don't put a lot of money down when I make my bets. But when I'm in the when I'm feeling it, when I'm feeling it, like I like, hey, that that hand is hot, boy. I'm about to, hey, when I'm feeling it, bro, I'm gonna put me down to like a little two hundred dollar parlay. Not even, not a lot, like two teams, something like that. I ain't, I'm not stupid, like. I'm gonna risk it, but I'm gonna give me, I'm gonna give myself a chance, two teams, three teams, something like that. And I lose by one pick, right? So I think like what that does for me generally, I'm a person who is like, I take small risk and I hope that the smaller risk pay off for a bigger reward. And I think how they view these things and how they view their draft picks for obvious reasons, they're reserved. I mean, not for obvious reasons, but based on their their actions, they're reserved individuals and they're banking on these smaller investments to become booms. Like, they don't care if these smaller investment busts. They just want these smaller investments to go boom. Like, they want these guys to become the superstars because they're not going to go out there and do what it takes to get the best player that's available in uh, uh, a superstar in Matt Stafford. I ain't say I'm not saying like that. The perception, like this guy who can win us a lot of games in Matt Stafford. Same thing with Russell Wilson. Um, despite what he looked like in 2022, like that was your guy that you targeted. Uh, I'm not going to hold it against you for going after Russell Wilson in the moment. Like you just don't have enough of what it takes to go get these guys. And even Amari Cooper, like at the end of the day, the the deal that you gave him, he made more in Dallas than he made in Washington. So you should have gave him more in Washington. So you so you could beat the tax thing. So like it's it's kind of all these things like they make small investments and they hope that they go boom and 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 just say our our evaluations were right. We don't care about giving up so many assets to get one person when we can stick to our guys and stick to our board and just hopefully hope that these guys uh go out here and become superstars. But more too, that just goes back to Ron just kind of going through a turtles like pace and how long it's taking him to rebuild the franchise in a sense. I mean, when he said in his presser, it's going to take five years. He really operates like he has a full five years and he did have a full five years. Ultimately, I mean, maybe he gets the five next year. I don't know. But I mean, at the beginning, that's what he said. He said, this is going to be a long process and you don't see him taking any shortcuts. And, you know, that's what annoys fans when you're kind of sitting in the mud, you know, you're kind of going to that quicksand, you're winning seven games, eight games, you're just doing enough to keep your head above water. And Ron just kind of keeps the course going. It's like, hey, you know, we win eight games this year. Oh, we're close enough to win 10 games next year. And it's like, they don't want to take it, you know, to the moon or, or so to speak. And that's why when a lot of fans, I was watching the draft, you know, I seen some of the reactions on social media anytime the eagles make a move it triggers our fan base i don't care what the eagles do the Man, eagles can sign a new water boy and our fan base will be like, oh howie roseman did it again you know why can't we do that so i mean but it's still you it's still fun to see the eagles attack success the way they do and i can see how it does frustrate our fans because like i said we've just been sitting in that little mud spot we're just waiting and inching and inching to get better and i know ron and his staff they're banking on sam how maybe a you know step up and you know be a guy for them you know i guess that last little hope for them but as fans you know we're a little impatient right now so we want to see a little bit more and that's why i can see fans getting frustrated all right uh, I was going to touch on it, my bad. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I almost feel like 
in year four, the team has moved backwards because of the the quarterback situation with Sam Howe. With you now putting out there that he could possibly be the starter and then bringing in Jacoby Brissett, it's like you truly don't have an answer here. And there's no hope for the fan base to really – I mean, some people are hoping that he hits, but what's the likelihood of that truly happening? It's like slim to none. <laughs> and I feel like they don't even believe in it. They're just hoping that it does, but they aren't truly sold on it. Or they would just outright say Sam Howe is going to be our starter. What's the what's the need to bring in Jacoby Brissett or any veteran backup to compete with him if you truly believe in his talent and what he brings to the table? It's just like you just playing with the team once again. Like, let's go ahead. <laughs> This quarterback conversation is is going it's going it's going to drive us all crazy. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into these picks, bro. Um, starting with Emmanuel Forbes. Um, are we going to do? Magic says, okay. The issue I have with Rivera is he should have started Sam the second the Giants game, let him finish the rest of the season. Uh, Sam Howe will shock a lot of people. Uh, good thing you didn't say for good or for for worse. <laughs> um, Amani, they got spoiled by Curl success by low and sell. Hi, Ron is very mid. Uh, Amani says, appreciate you checking in as always. And everybody that's just checking in, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, reminder on the podcast side, make sure you hit that follow button if you are not doing so. Back to the picks, Emmanuel Forbes. Um, are we are we okay with this pick? Do we hate it? Do we love it? Um, I guess I'll keep that structure as we go down the list. Um, but Emmanuel Forbes, uh, Mississippi State. I personally was surprised um, that there wasn't a run on cornerbacks uh, initially, like at, at the time that Washington picked, like it was only the top two off the board. I, just, I take that back. It was only Witherspoon off the board, I believe. And, and Gonzalez was still there. Uh, I should say I was surprised that they went with um, uh, Gonzalez. I'm excuse me, Forbes over Gonzalez. But based on what I was hearing, uh, they really liked Forbes. And we kind of knew that before the draft, but they really liked Forbes. But I don't understand... I'll put it this way. Forbes and Gonzalez will forever be tied to with their careers, especially when it relates to the commanders, not necessarily the New England Patriots, but the commanders, because they had their pick of the litter in terms of uh, prospects who were rated very highly. And Gonzalez was uh, pr- up there. With, he was neck and neck with, with Witherspoon. So for them to stick with Forbes, despite Gonzalez being on the board, is interesting. I'm not going to say they made the right or wrong decision. That's going to take some time for us to figure it out. But I was surprised that Gonzalez made it to that spot and they chose Forbes over Gonzalez. But I like I like Forbes. I like Forbes. I like what he brings to the table. Uh, playmaking ability, uh, has good ball skills uh, at the catch point uh, and the contest point. So uh, that's going to be good. Uh, the question is the opportunities. Like, is he strong enough in coverage on the next level that can allow him in to, uh, those opportunities to make plays on the football. And that doesn't necessarily mean strapping, but it, it means also means baiting, baiting quarterbacks into throws that they shouldn't make. So we're going to kind of see how that goes. But I like the pick with Forbes. Just a little bit interesting with Forbes and Gonzalez, both on the board at 16. I personally loved it, man. I mean, I know, like I said, I was actually shocked too. I was shocked because I was like, oh, Gonzalez is the guy everyone's talking about. But it was clear that they had a goal in mind with, 
this draft pick. That goal was we want to turn the ball over more. As Maul, you said it earlier, you're not an elite defense if you can't turn the ball over. I mean, if you're getting off the field short, that's cool and all. But if you're not flipping the field at any point or you're not, you know, getting enough momentum like that in those games, it's going to come to bite you in the ass at some point. And you're not as good as you think you are. So it was clear that that was the goal. And that was what we talked about. That's what I said. I said, if I if I'm going in the draft, I want guys with ball skills. I want a guy that can go to get the ball. They can turn the ball over. And Forbes is just a very dynamic corner in that sense. So you can tell that's what the team wanted. And, you know, I know a lot of fans, you know, they read the mock drafts and they see Christian Gonzalez rated higher. You know, he could go top five. He can go top 10. You've seen it all year. But again, it, when it came down to what this team wanted, they wanted to turn the ball over. And they felt like they got probably the best guy in the draft at the cornerback position and doing so. AJ, where you at? Yeah, I mean, uh, I like the pick in regards of having a ball hawk on the defensive side. Um, ultimately, I wouldn't have I, – I guess the way the draft played out, um, that was a solid pick. I mean, trying to think who else was on the board at that time. Not really too much that I would have liked for them to add. Um, I would have liked to see them get a bit more aggressive and possibly move up how it was playing out, but they didn't. Ultimately, if Forbes can, you know, bring his ball hawking skills to the NFL, uh, I think he could be a, a big difference maker for this defense because they need to flip the field. As we stated a lot during the 2022 season, they need someone to make some plays on the ball. I mean, Defoe was doing that, but outside of that, it was rarely happening, whether it be forced fumbles, whether it be interceptions, tip passes, Something like it just was not taking place. I think the interesting part is with the addition of Forbes and Martin, uh, what now happens to Kendall Fuller in his role with this team? Um, but that's that's my only concern per se with the pick. But I mean, the player, uh, I just hope that the fan base understands the type of player you are getting. You're getting someone like a Trayvon Diggs. Uh, a lot of people mock Trayvon for the the yardage that he gave up, but can you imagine if this defense had someone like a Trayvon that had 11 interceptions in the season at cornerback? You would take that all day. I think Trayvon had only three last year, but mm -hmm. still this team has been lacking a, a ball hawk uh, really since D'Angelo Hall has departed from, from the Redskins uh, franchise. So it'll be interesting to see what he does at that position. Yeah. Uh, AJ, I'm with you, and, and I think I'm glad that you that you that you mentioned Diggs, right? Because um, there's been a lot of pushback, I, and I'm not here to make people feel. I don't want. I don't, I'm not trying to make people feel bad about like them fighting for a player that their no, team just drafted. But <laughs> I, I do want people. I do want people to understand. Like y'all got to understand. Like every person in the NFL coming out of the draft had concerns about them to to whatever varying degree and like some were glaring some was minor Forbes's frame he is light like he is light and and it's not about the fact that he's 168 pounds or even still that he didn't he just probably put on some some weight and I think he said he's like 170 something that that's fine but I think you got to understand that there are some cornerbacks, some, some, some receivers in the NFL who are strong at the catch point, who are strong at the at the release point, who are strong at the at the top of their routes. Like 
and and who who have cornerbacks like Emmanuel Forbes who who've checked them over over the years and those smaller frame those small frame or thin frame cornerbacks can't really do nothing with them and obviously that's going to come into some game planning things and Dale Real's going to have to find a way to to get those things kind of sorted out and even the DB's coach or whatever like they're going to have to find ways to to maximize the the players on the field and that's fine but I just want people to understand like that's not a fake that's not a fake thing like injury sure like he 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 hasn't missed he he's missed one game and it wasn't due to actual on the field injuries like it was it was off the field related so you don't have to probably worry about him not being a a person who who gets hurt because he's small or because he's light but I, I do think in terms of actual playing receiver and uh having a cornerback check that receiver like that game that matchup is going to be something where you're looking at his frame and you're saying okay, I hope he can keep up with some of these physical receivers because that is going to be something to watch for in his career moving forward. He's also aggressive, as AJ mentioned, uh, similar to Diggs. Like, these guys, like, they trust their eyes so much that they 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 jump. That's how they create turnovers. Like, they know what they're seeing because of film studying. Like, the counter is offenses know that you're aggressive or they know that you know. So we're going to try and play play off of that. So that's a good thing for Forbes, and it could be a bad thing. And you have to understand the cornerback that you get. Like, this is a guy who's going to get you turnovers, but don't kill that man if he's giving up a couple plays here and there because he's getting you the ball back at some point. Oh, yeah. You already know it's going to happen. And it's that's what and that And that's why, like, I'm trying to say it on Twitter. I'm trying to say it on our platform. It's like when you have a guy that picks up a lot of interceptions – in college or the NFL is typically because they're taking risks. They're predicting what the offense is going to do or what the, they're trying to route match or they're baiting, they're baiting the quarterback into these opportunities to get their ball, the hand, their hands on the ball. And that's why it was important for Washington to feel like they needed that guy. Cause I mean, even though people know my relationship with Ben or whatever, but that's not really his strong suit. It's not everybody's strong suit. You feel me? Like some guys just not ball hawks, but in order to be one in this league and those that are successful at it, they're baiting the quarterback into into those passes. But see, and that's the issue because a lot of fans look at the cornerback position and they think that to be a good corner, you have to be a strictly shutdown corner. You know, they just think of the Champ Bailey's and the Daryl Revis's, those type of guys. But you have the D'Angelo Halls, the Pac-Man Jones of the world that came around. I mean, these guys can flip the field. They can make the turnovers. Like I said, the Forbes. I mean, we see, I saw it with this fan base. Whenever D'Angelo Hall would give up a pass or something, to him, to everyone else, he got burnt. He was the worst player in the game, you know, regardless if he could turn the ball over or not. But, you know, they're going to only focus on those times where guys are catching on him. And that's how a lot of them are going to remember the guys. You know, they're not going to remember the times that he's doing stuff that no other defensive back has done, which is getting all of these touchdowns, you know, pick sixes, whatever the case may be. But a lot of fans just kind of – can't get that balance. And that's what I can see happening with Emmanuel Forbes because he's, you know, I told some people, he's not going to be a shutdown guy. He's not going to be that guy that's going to go and just wipe a wide receiver clean in the game, but he is going to be a guy that's a threat on the field and he can get you that momentum at any given point, especially in key points in the game. Yeah. And, and I, and I mean, I've, I've represented two ball hawking cornerbacks in this league in Asante Samuel and D'Angelo Hall. And like you said, like people hate it maybe the way that they tackled or they gave up certain plays. But, I mean, I think D. Hall finished with 46 career interceptions in the NFL. He has he had four interceptions in one game. That's a tie NFL record. Hall of Fame, bro. 
that probably Hall of Fame game. almost it almost could have got eclipsed last year by Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> and and, hold, and and D'Angelo Hall never played with a defensive line like we have now, neither. Nah, never. So you got to be able to take those risks. And what Asante Samuel finished his career with 51 interceptions. So those guys definitely gave up some yardage, but the reward of getting that ball and being able to possibly take it to the crib is is a hell of a feeling, but it brings a lot to your defense when that quarterback knows I got to be careful with this ball or number 13 nowadays, who will be Emmanuel Forbes, is going to take that thing and possibly return it to the house. Because that's what that's what these teams are going to be reading in their game plans and their scouting before they play these uh, before they play Washington on Sundays. Oh, they got a guy, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Yeah, he's a rookie, but his hands are elite for a cornerback, and he's known for taking it to the crib. That's something that's going to be highlighted going forward. Second pick, fellas, Jartavius Martin uh, from Illinois. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Dre um, and AJ, not sure if you heard me, but I, for one, in the moment, was thinking with Osiris Torrance on the board, this was somebody that I thought could have really helped Washington. Um, and they they went for Martin uh, Jartavis, which is fine. And to the point uh, that you mentioned with Kendall Fuller, this is where I really thought that a conversation for Kendall Fuller needed to be had because you got Jartavius and, and the projection is for Washington. Uh, he's going to play uh, safety, both spots, and then he could play nickel as well. Um, and that eliminates a lot of the ideas of, of where you can fit Kendall Fuller. Um, like you got Forbes who's going to be on the outside. Benjamin Juice is best served on the outside. Now you're thinking, well, my thought was, I'll say it this way. My thought was Kendall Fuller is a guy where, he wasn't I, I y'all know I didn't think he was that good. I don't I, I I don't think he's that good. Um, but I know that he was smart and I thought that you can at least give him a shot in the slot again. And he didn't look too good in the slot uh the last time he was out there, but he ain't he, he really out of options. And if slot is the last spot that you can really put him and you still don't think he's that good there, then the odds are is he's probably a a, a training camp cut candidate. Or he's a post June one cut candidate, or maybe even a trade partner for somebody who can pick him up for like a fifth or a sixth round pick or something like that. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Jartavius altogether. That pick, what it signifies for me. Um, and, and as I mentioned, I think this is their Bobby McCain upgrade um, in terms of younger, faster, and, and, and being able to do the same things that he can do. Uh, but it also spells out uh, Kendall Fuller's time being limited, in my opinion, here in Washington. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's definitely a Bobby McCain replacement uh, for sure. They they realized once they moved him down the slot that it changed the defense a bit more. Um, I think Fuller has an opportunity to play free safety. Uh, I like I like Kendall being able to look over at Derek, him. or you're saying like part time role type deal. I think possibly full time. Um, Cause I don't see them. I don't really see them cutting him. I don't really see them making any cuts. Honestly, maybe Chase Ruye, but it, it looks like they're gonna keep Logan. Um, I think a guy like Kendall, you probably would have allowed him to move on sooner to to be able to you know get on with a team. Um, but ideally, I mean, you're gonna play Ben outside. You're gonna have to play Forbes outside. Martin is now your your new slot guy. 
Uh, Curl is down in the box, kind of like your Buffalo nickel. Fuller, I think Fuller would be amazing at free safety. Um, I I think just ha- being able to have his – he's a ball. Like, in college, that's what he did at Virginia Tech. You feel me? But, unfortunately, you don't get a, uh, you don't get a lot of those looks at slot. Uh, but in Kansas City, in that championship run that they made and, and they won, right, he played a lot of slot and he also played a lot of free safety before they added Tyron Matthew to that franchise. Um, yeah, yeah we, we, might think he's a bit, he, we might think he's a bit slow, but he knows the game and he can read it. And I think that's where default issue is at this point. Like he, he definitely is a ball hawk, but he still doesn't fully grasp all the concepts yet. And I think that's somewhere you could probably plug in Fuller to be your free safety. I, I, I get the, the, the processing side of it, the, the mental side of it, and, 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 and just being as smart as you can be on the field. But, like, sometimes, like, I don't think – at 28 years old, he ain't done. But I also think that he's just not as, as athletic as, he, as, as the rest of these people on the defense is. Like, you have to, you have to really be – you have to be super good, I think, for, in, in terms of Kendall's situation. You have to be super good to beat out uh, Derek Forrest, who is a rising – uh, player for Washington. I'm not going to label him anything except for just a rising player. Uh, but he's a rising player for Washington. Uh, you're going to be really good to beat out Benjamin St. Juice uh, for the other spot if you're going to be outside because they're not going to bench Emmanuel Forbes. They they keep that man on the field at all costs. But you're going to have to be really good to beat out Ben. You're going to be really good to beat out uh, Derek. And if I'm betting my if I'm betting my money, Dre, and I'm putting a parlay on it, and I'm and, and I'm putting two hundred dollars on that thing because my hand is hot, bruh. I'm betting that Derek Forrest beat him out, and I'm betting that Benjamin Benjamin St. Juice beats out Kendall Fuller. I'm, I, I mean, I feel like I feel like the outside has already been determined, right? But let's say you want to rock with Defoe. If he right. gets hurt, then who? You, you gonna put? You seen Percy Butler take? I was gonna, I was gonna say no, you seen that man take. It is not good. But it's not good when he's in the box. It's not good he, anywhere, bro. He he's <laughs> All right, I ain't gonna say too much because I, I okay. Like in the box is god awful. Like, but yeah, he, he, he ain't good in the box. But yeah, so it's like I what, give him a shot at post. What do you do? I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be interesting. I think uh if they are gonna cut players, that that should be happening real soon across not just uh Washington's franchise, but overall in the league. Um, cause I mean, he got to go somewhere and I feel like he still brings value to the team. I, I definitely would try to give him a, a look at, at free safety, but one, one thing about funny, Washington, bro. everything is based Hell nice. on, keep me away from wild goose, bro. Yes, please, <laughs> every, please, please. Every, everything is based on versatility with them. Like they want their guard to be able to play tight end, fullback, uh, left tackle, right tackle. Fullback <laughs> got to play linebacker. Bro. AJ, you don't like position flex? I I like it, but at some point, dog, just be good at one damn thing, man. Like, yeah. I, I I it's cool every now and then with certain things, but goddamn, bro, like Trent Williams is good at guard, but guess what? He guess guess where he's elite at <laughs> tackle, right? Yeah, I so ain't worried about putting that man at guard at any at any point of his career, bro. Stay stay out there at tackle, bro. Give him a couple yeah, snaps just, at guard if it's I an just, emergency. I, I just think they overdo that stuff. Like, look, look at look at all the players on this offensive line. Like, who is good at anything? Like, nobody. We just got nobody a whole either. bunch of guys that could just do 
they pretty much absent all in one printers. But what do you do good? <laughs> Nothing, bro. Great. Um, what do you do good or great? And and that's that's the more frustrating thing about the offensive line. And we'll get Dre. Do you have anything on Martin uh, before we go to Schaumburg? No, I was just gonna say what Quan Martin as I said earlier. I mean, I love him, man. I, I just looked at him. You know, I went and watched a couple of his games, and I love how physical he is, man. We just haven't ha- kind of had that aspect in the secondary in the back end for a while. I mean, he's a guy. He seems to make plays as well. I mean, he has good instincts. I love. Um, you know, it was a, one of his plays where he. Yeah, obviously you'll see it on the highlights, but he's turning around really quickly on an interception over his back shoulder. I mean, just the instinctual plays like that, the physicality. He's not the biggest dude in the world, but he seems like he knows where to go. He, he has sideline sideline speed. He can get to any end, and he makes plays. And you can't be mad at adding playmakers. And one thing we're sitting up here talking about Kendall Fuller and everything, but last year we weren't having this conversation last year we hated the depth on this team especially in the second secondary we hated the secondary depth especially cornerbacks we didn't like most of the guys on the team we didn't even know if we had a legit starting cornerback last year so to talk about wondering where Kendall Fuller fits in at on this secondary now it's a great problem to have for this season coming up that is a fact um okay Ricky Stromberg um from what I understand is uh, position flex as well he can play center and he can play guard but if we're ironing this whole thing out i think he's a guy who is going to be playing center for washington um he's best served as center uh and, and from what i understand as well that is he's a he's a zone guy um and it kind of has a good idea of like angles block angles and uh second level blocking which is really good for for washington um i, I don't know where he is in terms of how the enemy wants him to, or, or when the enemy or how soon the enemy wants him to play. Uh, but obviously with Stromberg um, drafting somebody in the third round, uh, your first three rounds, maybe your first four rounds with somebody who you anticipate on having uh, some significant playing time. And uh, for Stromberg at the very least, uh, you kind of see what their plan is for center altogether. Like you had Nick Gates who you brought in, right? Um, and obviously Stromberg, you drafted, uh, Chase Ruye uh, is a guy where uh, he's missed. I think he's played 10 games. I'm going to double check, but I think he's played like 10 games over the last two seasons or last three seasons. I can't remember. Um, but obviously a handful of games altogether. And you look at Stromberg and uh, we always knew or we kind of assumed that you got to have a, a plan with the interior offensive line this draft, whichever way they, whichever route they chose to take. And for them to, to go center, um, at that that early kind of shows that they really like Schaumburg first and foremost but secondly um you don't know exactly what you're going to get from a Gates or what you're going to get from uh, a Ruye this year but obviously we are making as much money as he is um it, it it's probably somebody Schaumburg that's going to be competing for the starting role come training camp Man, and too many and, damn competitions, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but so Stromberg to me, that pick, I mean, after reading about him and hearing about him, I feel like the vision for him is the start center. I mean, initially when they signed Nick Gates, I thought maybe he would be the starting center. But I mean, I think, I think Nick Gates backs him up. 
Yeah, or I think Nick Gates, they may have a vision for him at left guard. Like, I mean, he, he may uh, slide over there because it's, I mean, right now you still have what Andrew Norwell, Chris Paul. I mean, those guys in the conversation. I think you speaking of competition, like, right, AJ? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Nick Gates may win that competition by default just because I don't think, I don't know. Well, Chris Paul, the jury's still out on him, but Andrew Norwell, we just know he's not any good at this point in his career. So, I mean, you bring in Nick Gates, and then I thought, like I said initially, that he would start a center, but you draft a guy like Ricky Stromberg, who I think, you know, from everything I read, he's a potential starting center in this league. So maybe that's the uh, vision for him. So that got me to thinking, okay, so your line left or right, maybe Leno, Gates, uh, Stromberg, and then Cosme, I guess, at right guard, and then Wiley, a right tackle. So, I mean, that started to shape up a little bit of vision. So maybe that it, maybe that's the vision for them. Another thing that I'm looking at right now, too, for Stromberg is he makes protection calls for the offense at Arkansas. Um which is important, right? Because in Washington, well, I take that back because I don't know what's going to happen with the enemy. Uh, but I know under Scott Turner, the center was the one who made the protection calls. And for you to have that trust in center, especially one who's presumably going to be starting for Washington, let's say he, he does end up starting for Washington, uh, a rookie to that degree, um, that's going to take a high level of confidence in him. But also uh, it's going to help out Sam Howell a lot because if, they're making the calls for him. He doesn't have that's that's one less thing off his plate at the line of scrimmage. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see how that plans out. A very small thing, but at the same time, uh a leadership role kind of indicates you know the responsibility that you have on the field, and that's gonna be kind of interesting with Stromberg and, and just seeing how this whole interior thing plays out. Um, I, I do want to let's see. Amani said, if I recall, Kansas City's offensive line had a bunch of third, seventh rounders, right? Um I wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, Mozzie also mentioned that the rookies uh, and Gates will ballot it out when it came to Chase and Tyler. He called them the other guys. I forgot about Tyler Larson, who actually the offense, the offensive line looked a little bit, uh, looked pretty average, which is a good thing when Tyler Larson played. Um, so imagine getting some consistent play in the interior. Here's one thing I did want to mention with this offense. Oh, my, AJ, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, you forget me, Andrew Nowell. Oh, I mean, everybody forgetting him. So, I ain't <laughs> and no they're on the roster collecting some payments. So. Uh huh. But listen, here's one thing. Forget about him. Here's one thing, though. Like, if I had to call one thing out, um, it would be the depth, and and in the conversation always surrounding like them having depth pieces. Um, sure, having offensive line depth is is obviously really good because it's a it's a very important. It's one of the it's the arguably the most important position outside of quarterback on the field, offensive line, defensive line. But my thing is with, with this depth conversation is how many times are we going to praise any team in the NFL? How, how many times are we going to praise a team in the NFL for hasn't having offensive line depth when the goal for a unit like that is to have the least amount of new rotations or new lineups on a week to week basis. Like you would, you would prefer obviously in a perfect world to have all five of your starters that you started out with the season to, to play all 17 games, but you don't need to be focused on like what happens if two or three offensive linemen goes down. If that happens, you're in trouble. You're already in trouble. So you need to have your best starting five. And that goes back to the original point that AJ brought up of having your best five that does that one position on the offensive line really good. And then worry about the rest after that. 
don't worry about position flex. But at the same time, like you need to have your best five out there because I don't really care too much about the depth. If you have bodies, cool. Like these guys are just names. Like they're names. They're not necessarily if they're starters. They would be starting on another team. Like it is what it is. So that's the one thing that always kind of, kind of grinded my gears for lack of a better term is just understanding that like I don't care about the depth conversation when the the goal is to have as as few amount of new rotations or new lineups as possible in the offensive line I don't care about depth like my starting five needs to be really good all right um where we at next Braden Daniels um offensive lineman out of Utah uh they picked him with their fourth their fourth round their fourth round pick Again, uh, we had the same conversation about position flex, so we kind of know what I think he's what tackling guard, I believe, is what he is what he's capable Man, of doing. That boy, that boy, his scouting report is he played left tackle, he left played tackle. right tackle, left guard, center. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he even played offensive coordinator, bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, he ran a four nine. Okay, that's what's up. Now um, the before we move on, the interesting part with him is they already told us he has bad feet, and they're like, oh, we're going to try him out probably at tackle first. What? What? You want to put that man in the box? Most people that watch him say he's definitely better at guard. I mean, I know they said um, in his career he did play like um, all five positions on the offensive line, but I think everyone has seen that his projection should be a guard. I mean, so it's a little weird that they're trying him out of tackle. It's almost as weird as how they look at Sadiq Charles. Like, I still don't know what position Sadiq Charles plays on his team. I mean, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? I mean, so maybe that's their new Sadiq Man. Charles and Braden Daniels. <laughs> Sadiq need to worry about, oh, you know what? God bless him. Let me let me keep my comments to myself. Hold up. He, he's, another, he's still on the roster, right? He's still on the roster. <laughs> Guess what? Competing. That boy, that boy in the clubs. <laughs> yeah, competing that, that's what that's what ron that's what ron said bro um aaron aaron cole mentioned that you know offensive line has a higher risk injury than others other spots so depth i mean depth isn't depth is important but I, my point i guess let me read this whole comment for those who listen to the podcast um o-line inherently has higher injury risk than other spots so depth is of a utmost importance how many teams keep the same five long term in a season um so i i don't disagree at all like yes in depth is important but I, I just think it's a cap to it like i don't i think you need to have like your number two guys need to be solid right um and and i'm, and I'm not saying i don't care about your third your third string guys but i but i think the the importance is finding that you have the best five at your starting spots and not worrying about if they go if 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 somebody goes down on their left or their right, I need this this starting guard to move out to tackle. I don't I don't I don't care about that. Like I want my best guard playing, and if somebody gets hurt, he stays at guard. And and that's what I'm worried about. And, and I think like we so we focus on position flex too so much sometimes, and and including the coaching staff, like they focus on it so much sometimes that. They just don't – and AJ asked this question a couple times in the pre-draft uh, in, interviews that we were having. Like, it's – why not just find somebody who is good at one spot and, and go from there? Like, if you find a – if you find – if you find your best – we talked about it. If you find your best left tackle, are you worried about if he can play guard or, or, or center for you if somebody goes down? I want to keep my man at left tackle. 
So that's kind of where I'm at altogether. Like it, it's just like the depth, the depth thing is cool, but I think uh it, it's just it's, it's it should be capped off to a certain conversation. Like I don't I'm not gonna brag about offensive line depth. I'm just not gonna do that. Right, because you hope to never have to put them guys in unless someone get hurt. And if they exactly. do get hurt, you should be shit out of luck in a sense, in some regard. Yes. Um, okay. KJ Henry, edge rusher out of Clemson, fifth round pick. Uh, Dre, I know you said you mentioned that you you like this one, this one really good, uh, or, or or this pick really good. So uh, you get the first stab at this one. What do you think about KJ? No, and this is a guy because he's again a a player who I think fits what they at least want to do. You know, um, when Chase Young and them were playing a couple of years ago, him and Montez together, you heard the subliminal shots at those guys that you know, oh, you know, we have certain guys on the defense that's not standing in their lanes and not playing their gaps and not you know playing their assignments. Now they're actually going out and getting a guy who's pretty much known for exactly that. He plays his assignment. He plays his gaps. Like you could see it in his production uh, numbers. He didn't have a high sack total at Clemson, but he was still a dynamic player, but he was really good at setting the edge. And he was really good at, you know, containing his lanes and standing his gaps and things like that. I mean, obviously you have to do that to play for Dabo at Clemson. So, I mean, I just thought that, you know, I could see the vision with a KJ Henry pick because he's a guy that right now, I mean, he doesn't have to start. Obviously he has Chase and Montez over him, but he's a guy when he comes in as a situational guy, they can count on him to be disciplined and play within the scheme that they're trying to run. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> KJ Henry does nothing for me at all. I feel like this team needed, needed if they were going to do defense end, they needed someone that's a natural bender uh, that can come off the, come off the edge. Um yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't have any anticipation for for KJ Henry. I think he's just another body once again. Um I just would have liked someone that can turn the corner. Like you feel me? And I don't I, I haven't seen that out of KJ. I'm familiar with him. I know he was a, a top recruit, but he just also never really produced any of those athletic abilities to that nature at Clemson, um, he has no bend. Uh, and I want a defensive end, especially that's going to possibly be a rotational piece for a sweat or young either side to be a natural bender off that edge. That's, I think we talked about it, like where I had said, if they were to go as Russia, you want those type of guys like a Nolan Smith. But, you know, the more aggressive team within the division, they went and got Jalen Carter and they went and got Two uh, Hassan Reddick 2.0, Nola Smith, all in the first round. So, yeah, I mean, KJ Henry Henry does nothing for me. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna read the scouting report from Lance Zerline. Uh, so he says, I'll just do the overview. He says, highly athletic edge defender with good size, um, has upfield burst, but he tends to be a face up rusher and will need to improve his hand usage uh, for more effective corner turns. Um, he can be dynamic when twisting and blitzing as a movable piece around the defensive front. He does a nice job of setting up uh, inside rush that is too often uh, that is often too quick for tackles. Um, he can dart and disrupt as a one-gapper with his hand in the ground, uh, but has more trouble than expected setting uh, the edge as a run defender. So just understanding this overview – it does sound like they're bringing him in to rush the passer. Um, 
at the very least, that's where he's going to start off in terms of pass rush situations, probably. Um, and and also shows that uh, like as a one gapper, that is that is also a good thing because that's exactly what Del Rio loves to run. Uh, or, or excuse me, that is that is the the principle of his defense. His defensive front is a one gap defense. So uh, whatever their their goals are with the the stunts alignments or or just even setting them up on the edge, that's that's up to them. Um, but it does work in terms of the system. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know personally what he's going to look like until I watch him. Um, but interesting, two different two different takes uh, from AJ and Dre on this player. So it's going to be something to watch. His NFL comparison was Lorenzo Carter. Um, so I guess you one man that. game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> uh, hold on now. Where are we at next? Sure. I was like, two more picks. Okay. Excuse my legs, but who the fuck is Lorenzo Carter? Like, I mean, I yeah. know who he is, but like, what? Has oh, I thought he, he said Lorenzo Alexander. I'm I know, tripping. I know what you thought. I know what yeah, you thought. Yeah, I'm did. tripping. Like, what has he done to get yeah. a comp? Just Let's put see. Jag, whoever wrote that song. He's had 18 and a half sacks in his career. Played with the Falcons in 2022. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I knew who Lorenzo Carter was. I was, I was thinking of a throwback. Yeah, right? huh? Yeah, the Georgia. I know he played for the Giants. Yeah, he oh, played. He, he was Georgia. He went to Georgia. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. Moving on. Running back, uh, Chris Rod- Rodriguez Jr. Um, this now out of Kentucky. This was a guy where I was reading the transcripts as well. And Amani, when you asked about what input EB has on the offensive line, I'm not sure. But Ron did shed some light on his input altogether during the draft process. Um, you know, he would they would occasionally ask his opinion on a, a situation from time to time. And uh, one of those situations that, you know, his input was received and uh, obviously played out to, to them selecting Chris Rodriguez was a guy who that was the enemy's guy. Um, he was a guy who's saying that uh, Rodriguez was a, a running back who they had no negative grades on. Um, and that his scouting, his, his team did a really good job of looking into this player. So if he was available and it made sense for Washington at a certain round, this is the guy that he wants. So for Washington, uh, to, to follow through and end up getting Rodriguez for the enemy, um, is probably going to be the enemy's, uh, favorite project on this offense. Uh, if, 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 I mean, outside of Sam Howell, because that's the most important thing, but, second favorite project with Chris Rodriguez is working with a guy that he helped bring into the building. Um, and I mentioned to you all his run style. I only saw his highlights for a couple seconds, but I'm, I'm going to get into his film, but his, his, his run style just reminded me of Alfred Morris. Um, I think he's a little bit faster. I understand he ran like a four or five or something like that. Um, Chris Rodriguez did, but ultimately being like just his run style and, and how, uh, heavy as lower body is and just his competitive to, to kind of work through multiple arm tackles at one time and, and take body blows and still stay on his feet with, with, with some contact balance. That's impressive. So I don't know what their plans are, his immediate for his immediate rookie season, but I can definitely see the enemy um, ultimately finding ways to get Rodriguez on the field. No. um, So this was the one pick that, you know, I initially I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't happy about it because it's a sixth round. I mean, it's hard for me to get upset at any sixth round pick. But 
what I was looking for in the draft, kind of what I was looking for, you know, at cornerback in this draft, oh, yeah, and it was yeah, a guy, yeah. you know, playmaker turnover. You know, I was looking for more of the home run hitting running back because I felt like you got the Brian Robinson, he's the bruiser. You know, you got Antonio Gibson. I mean, yeah, he's he's a home run threat, but he's not a consistent home run threat. I mean, I don't even know if we can legitimately sit up here and call him a real, real home run threat because we've only seen it on a screen pass, really. So, I mean, but that's why in this draft I was looking at certain running backs like the the chains, the and it was a guy that was sitting there when Rodriguez was uh drafted, uh Deuce Vaughn. It was a guy I talked about before the draft, uh, yeah. Kansas State. I love that guy. He's really small. I mean, the guy's a hell of a runner. I mean, I watched so much Kansas State games over the years. I mean, every time I watched him, he stood out. So, I mean, he was right there, and then the Cowboys drafted him, of course, right after we drafted Chris Rodriguez. But I mean, I like Chris Rodriguez, the player. I mean, the player's fine, it's not the player I have an issue with. Um I mean, obviously, I think he's a good running back. And, I mean, to hear Alfred Morris comp from you, Jamal, I mean, that's a hell of a comp, especially with him being bigger in size than Alf was. And he is a little faster than Alf. But, I mean, I'm going to love the player. I'm going to root for the player. But this was a pick that, you know, I was just kind of look, kind of looking for something different. But I can't hate the player. Magic says Rodriguez is a knockoff guys. Um, that's no. interesting. No, not at all. No. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris Rodriguez, he's cool, but like Dre, I was looking for a more change of pace type of running back, running style. Um, you know, I, I guess sixth round, go ahead, take your projects and see what, what you can make happen. I feel like there was still some players on the board, not just at running back, but in the sixth round. You still had uh, Kayshawn Booty, wide receiver from LSU, that should have been a first-round pick if not for, uh, you know, adjustment year under Brian Kelly. But I think that something we probably don't have planned uh, to speak about on the show, but I think the guy that they ended up bringing in as a change of pace running back and also has flex at wide receiver is uh, Kazmir Allen out of UCLA. Um, I don't know if anyone has checked him out, but he plays some running back at UCLA also wide receiver he's a kick returner punt returner i think that they'll utilize him in the backfield here and there and aj and hold on is it true that he runs a four five that dude looks like he runs dante hall speed casimir allen yeah i mean i, I know he had like a low 40 time i don't, and it just I don't know what his 40 weird. is but his film he looked like a four three yeah like he's I, I know he got a track background he don't he don't look like a four or five to me uh, if that's what they clocked him at, that boy is moving. So um, uh, I'm looking it up now. Casimir ran a four five five. Yeah. Wow, he ran a <laughs> four five. Yeah, four five five. Um, eight eight point seven inch hands, twenty nine arm lift. Um, five eight one eighty three. Uh, that's gonna be interesting because this is a. Uh, yeah, this is probably have, a. I guess he went undrafted. He must have had COVID that day. I think he said the conditions were bad because that he doesn't look four or five <laughs> at all on tape. Like he or, runs by dudes effortlessly. Like, on tape, you a four three. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even pay attention to his forty. Never looked it up because if you look at the tape, you could see you like see bad weather at their pro day. Uh, Justino checked in. Said that. Okay, yeah, you can see that boy's moving, but I see, see. I see him yeah, being man. as their change of pace type of back in a, in a sense, and also being able to use him just like how uh, they probably intend to use Curtis. Oh, yeah, they had a monsoon punt returns, 
put put them on punt returns. Oh that's yeah, Dax Mill replacement. Dax Dax is gone, bro. Like that, <laughs> that's that's dead and over with. But even immediately on special teams, he could be an impact. But I think there'll be a role for him in the offense too. Just how I, I expect Eric Bieniemy to run the same thing Kansas City was running because he he had a he had a major role in calling the plays there and being a part of that. Like I don't see it being any uh. Uh, differentiating uh, of that is just Mahomes is the quarterback and Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett will be the ones <laughs> throwing the ball. We don't know, but I, I still expect them to to make those plays and, and opportunities with those uh, talents. But Casimir uh, Allen definitely makes the team. Um, yeah, we were going to talk about the the youths that they signed. Um, I just had a general comment on it. So let's go ahead and knock out the last guy, uh, Andre Jones, linebacker out of Louisiana. Uh, Seventh round pick. Uh, I don't think we should be expecting much of Andre. Uh, I have all of seven words to say or eight words, however many words is, is I don't have much to expect from Andre. That was it. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll figure out, we'll figure out the rest when he comes down to camp and, and, and see what he really looks like out of Louisiana. Um, at the very least, I can read the scouting report. I do do him a favor and do us it's a supposed favor. Supposed to be another edge uh, rusher, another one that can't bend the corner. I was going to say he's a guy that didn't stand out to me at all. I watched him. I said, okay, he's a body. He's he's he's, he's stealing his jack. <laughs> Man, body to body. Uh, doesn't really show a, a forty time, or doesn't show close. He, he doesn't play like his forty time, or doesn't really show a closing speed. Uh, closing That's burst. Andre Jones. This is for Andre Jones. Yeah, he definitely. Um, over overall, he's been a terrific defender over the past three seasons. He projects as a three-four outside linebacker and will be a situational pass rusher. Um, also used on special teams. Boom! There it is. Special there teams. There. That's, that's, that's your way in, Andre. There it is. That's it. <laughs> All right. Hey, so let's go ahead and get into um, literally a warm body. <laughs> Um, appreciate everybody that's checking in right now. Let's get some uh some make sure if y'all haven't done so, make sure you hit the follow button or subscribe button. Make sure you're liking, uh, give us some comments, show some love in the chat. I appreciate y'all checking in. Uh Jacino Reap. Um Magic said Andre called himself a unicorn. All right, cool. Give us some give us some material, play because we're gonna need that. Um, his name's gonna pop up for sure during the rookie mini camps in a couple couple weeks. So we're gonna see what's up. Um, all right, so AJ mentioned. Cosmir Allen as a receiver. And so Washington signed uh, 12 undrafted free agents. And out of those 12, one, two, three, four, five of them are receivers. Um, Cosmir Allen, UCLA, Zion Bowens, Hawaii, uh, Jalen Sample, Minnesota State, Mitchell Tinsley, Penn State, Bryson Tremaine, Stanford. Um, One thing that I think we really need to pay attention to with these undrafted free agents one or two of them are going to make the roster for what they can do as a receiver. And I had to emphasize that part because AJ, I think is right in terms of like his return ability could get him on the roster, Kazmir Allen. So uh, take that for, for him actually being a good special teamer. Right. But ultimately one of these five guys that I mentioned, um, they need receiver help. And, and, and what I mean by that is like, not your top three guys. Um, but I think we've been content with depth or, or saying that they've had depth for some time. Um, and that includes De'Ami Brown. But I think they're going to give De'Ami Brown some competition. 
they're going to get everybody on the back half of that receiving depth chart some competition because um, it's like if you're three, your top three are, are, are good at what they do, that's cool. But you're going to need some help, especially with um, Curtis Samuel's season or his contractual season uh, in 2023 being his last year here in Washington, right? Um, and then obviously Jahan and, and Terry are on new on new deals, but that's all you have. You just have Terry and Jahan. Somebody's gonna have to step up, and they didn't do anything in the in the in the offseason in terms of free agency or draft to get a receiver, right? But they they picked up five of them uh, as an undrafted free agent, so they're gonna give uh, they're gonna give these guys as many opportunities as they could probably to try to make that roster and push somebody. So uh, and and maybe even push Dax Mills, thank God. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the situation in terms of undrafted free agents. Uh, I'm definitely going to be tapped into all to four of them. Cause I'm, I, I'm gonna look at cashmere, but I'm gonna see who else is out there to see like who has a really good shot. But I think it's going to be at least, uh, two of these guys that makes the roster. Um, yeah. And you got to look at it. I mean, I'm looking at the roster now and I got three wide receivers that are locks on the team that leaves about three positions open on the wide receiver group. I mean, with Cam Sims departing, um, like you said, one of these guys is going to make it. I mean, Diami Brown, he will be a guy that you would think is a lock, but we've heard his name being shopped in trade rumors. But I don't know if there's any value for Diami Brown at this point, but that goes to show that his roster spots not a lock either. So like I said, you got Three wide wide receiver positions open. Uh, Das Milner's no lock. I mean, obviously you bought in the Cashmere Allen, um, who I'm going to predict right now is probably going to make the 53 because the special teams alone probably. But again, he's also dynamic. But one of the guys I did check out. Um, the reason why I checked him out because I watched their games obviously, and we just had Jahan Dotson play for him last year. But Penn State, um, Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, he's he's a decent sized wide receiver. He's about Terry's size, um, roughly. But he's a chain mover. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I mean, he's, he's not like the big target that Cam Sims was, but he can kind of play that Cam Sims role. And he's he's shorthanded. He'll move the chains. He's not dynamic by any means. He's not going to blow past anyone. He's not going to get, you know, a ton of separation. But he is pretty, you know, good catching in traffic. And like I said, he, he, he's a guy that you can rely on in the red zone. You can rely on him to move the chains. So I think he's a guy that I may predict make the team as an undrafted free agent. I mean, but again, I mean, you brought in four or five of these guys in undrafted free agents somebody's going to make the roster it could be one it could be two but like i said it's three positions open so it's going to be some good competition but i don't know good competition but it's going to be competition yeah well, let's uh restrain from that. that that may get aj sick with all these competition words thrown out on this episode um yes the dn out of Bowie state of money um i'm gonna be tapped into him too joshua Pryor. they actually got another guy that they invited to rookie mini camp um, I forgot his name, but he's from Bowie State too, like all Ray, conference. Raymond Boone. Yeah, yeah. They invited him over to to the camp as well. What did he say? Hold on. Damn. What did he say? He, he said, spoke. He got an interview. Uh, no, nah, I seen a tweet come across. Hold on, I'm about to tell you what he said. Jacino said, "Miss Tinsley is y'all nice and big dude from Stanford." Monty said, whoever the hell gets DJ, uh, I mean, Dax off this team. <laughs> okay, so he said, he said he has Sean Taylor instance, range, game-changing ability, motor, every play recognition, nine times out of ten, the ball in the air, it's mine, rangy, athletic, hands like Chris Carter playing defensive back. Who said that? He said that? He tweeted that. That was he his own scout report? He, 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 he tweeted that yesterday. Fellas, 
Time to wrap up this show. Hey, hold up! But we did sign a quarterback too. Somebody need to challenge Sam Howell, AJ. They say this guy hey, tore up Fordham. I never watched them play, but they say this guy tore this up. Broke the, broke the, the, record. the next competition I need to make is uh, Ron Rivera versus Eric Bieniemy for head coach. Because <laughs> there's a competition everywhere. Like it, it almost feels like it's a it's a reality show. Like you said something about that. The NFL needed it's, yeah, like, it's like the bachelor at this point because it's a competition everywhere. Yeah, and I don't yeah, like yeah. that. Competition, bro. That's the theme of this goddamn episode. Competition, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's gonna wrap it up for us. Uh I think I'm I'm fellas, I'm talking to y'all live, but um I'm I'm gonna try to work on a little interview. We're gonna maybe get this done this week, but I'll keep in touch with you all through the group chat. Um, but so we may have one more episode this week breaking down the, the commander's picks, but that's gonna wrap it up for us right now. Uh Hawk, appreciate you checking in as, as always too. Uh ladies and gentlemen, we're out of here. But um all 32 will be back in a couple of days. So uh definitely have another uh, episode uh Trapper Dive coming out for you this week, maybe three. Um, so we'll see. Take it easy, y'all be safe, all that good stuff. Peace. Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap and Dive